DiscerningHearts.com presents Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. Deacon Gutierrez studied theology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville and at the Angelicum in Rome. He holds a master's degree in theology from the University of Dallas. He has worked for the church in various capacities, including as a teacher and administrator, and is currently on the faculty of the School of Faith. His expertise includes Catholic social teaching, and his writings on the subject have appeared in several national Catholic newspapers and periodicals. He's the author of The Urging of Christ's Love, The Saints, and The Social Teaching of the Catholic Church. Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Omar. Thanks, Chris. Good to be back. It's just been fascinating beginning to really study the compendium of the social doctrine of the church because it's filled with so much scripture and tradition. Yeah, we've already seen in the first chapter that when the church is giving us this this doctrine, it is an official doctrine, a teaching of the church. When the church gives us this, it's, it's coming from revelation. It's coming from scripture and tradition. It's coming from in the teaching of the early church fathers. It's, it's coming from where all the rest of the church's teaching comes from, which is that, that great deposit of faith that Jesus gave us and the apostles took care of in order to pass on to us today. So it's, it's something we can root in and something we're already familiar with, hopefully, but then also then connect with all the other aspects of what we believe and how we live, so our prayer, our liturgy, and all the rest. As we begin chapter two, the church's mission and social doctrine, I have to think that, that the mission would be about evangelization. That's right. It starts there with evangelization, and it includes uh, sort of going out into the world. The, the, I think the touchstone or, or the, the, the keynote here for the, for the compendium is that wonderful document from Vatican II, Gaudium et Spes, which we mentioned in the last episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Gaudimit Spes, uh, Joy and Hope, or the Pastoral Constitution of the Church in the Modern World. It was an attempt, again, for the Church to respond in a new way to this world that has been so uh, antithetical, so violent, and so contrary to the Church for so many years. Instead of taking the tack, as we did in the 19th century, and very understandably so, of basically rejecting the modern world, in fact, Pope Pius IX pretty much said those very words, now the church says uh, we're not embracing what the modern world stands for, right? but we want to reach out to the modern world because the world needs rede- redeeming, and that's what the church is here to do. So in the spirit of theologians like uh, Hans-Urs von Balthasar, who said let's tear down the walls and let's go outside of our, ourselves and reach out into the world, that's what Gaudium et Spes wants us to do too. And so that, that first part of the document is about human nature, and the second part is about how we can bring that teaching of the church, Christ, who, who reveals to us who we really are, how we can bring Christ out into the world, to our families and society and the rest. It's about love, isn't it? Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. it's about communicating love. Yes. For the Christian, it's more than just warm fuzzies. Exactly right. Um, Pope Benedict says in the most recent encyclical, which came out after the compendium, but obviously he had some, some, uh, some knowledge of the compendium because he helped uh, uh, draft parts of it. The Holy Father says that uh, the, the social doctrine is charity in truth, love in truth. So love connected with a concrete reality. And as we learn from the social teaching, it's not just ethereal or theoretical truth. 
it's, it's a person, a person who calls us to love, a person who tells us to love each other as he loved us. And so this love that we're being called to is a love that exists in a tradition, a love that exists from a relationship, uh, a love that exists um, uh, in the context of a relationship that draws us to love each other. Pope Benedict talks about this, and it's mentioned in the compendium as well, the, those words from St. Paul, that it's, it's the urging of Christ's love that causes us to, to love others. And so it's the urging of his love inside of us that drives us to love others. And it's also, as we mentioned in the last couple episodes, it's also uh, his love in the other that allows us to see him in the other and allows us to see ourselves in the other so that we can love them and ourselves simultaneously. Mm. I love the statement that they have in this particular chapter that I think is a real standout. The church is an expert in humanity. Yeah. And that comes from Gandhi Metzpez, and, and it's a reality. I think one of the, 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 one of the things that John Paul II uh, certainly helped us see and express so well, and this comes from the council. So this is, it's, I just want to emphasize for a moment that this teaching, this, especially the compendium, this is rooted in the council, the Second Vatican Council. And as we're entering into a year of faith, it's important for us to mention that, a year of faith that's called in remembrance of this council that the church is not just some other entity organization in the world that provides us with rules or suggestions or happy notions about the next life. The church is a living, breathing body uh, that's been in relationship with the world for 2,000 years now, and it's a relationship that transcends what she is now and allows us to touch the heavenly. And in that process, in that exchange between the the heavenly and the earthly, the church provides us with a view of the human person that no other organization can provide because it connects us with both uh, the the physical needs of the human person, uh, our needs for food and shelter and and psychological needs, but also our spiritual needs, the need to to be in connection with our creator, the need to be in uh, in connection with who we really are interiorly, and that's a reality the church can provide that no other church can provide, that cannot be replaced by any system, any program, any government entity, or even well-meaning self-help books. It, it cannot be replaced. The church is an expert in humanity, not just because she's been around for so long, but because she has a view of humanity that nobody else has, a view from the inside as well as the outside. Always had this image in my head and my heart of this great classroom. Mm. where in the seats are, in the classroom, there's Francis of Assisi Mm. and Bernadette, but there's also Thomas Aquinas and Hildegard. There over here is John Newman, and on the other end is Therese. There's just this swath of humanity, all the different personality types, whether Mm. it's the Joan of Arcs (laughs) to Quiet Ones, Blessed Herman the Cripple. Mm. Oh, yes. You know, I mean, there's so many... And yet they all knew the same central truth, Mm. the person who is truth, Jesus Christ. Right, and that truth unites us. It's a unity uh, with the diversity that manages to unite us. And this is what we learn. I mean, this is is the foundation of our theology. We we believe in a God who's simultaneously three and one. Uh, And so why can it not be that we are all united in reality? I mean, in, in... in a, a concrete way, we're united with each other in a way that ought to form the way we live, despite the fact that we are still ourselves. 
we I'm still have the same foibles and, and gifts and talents and sins that I have. Those still belong to me. They're still part of my very being. But I'm still connected with you, Chris, and with every listener in a, in a real and concrete way that makes me responsible for you. And that makes me, in a certain sense, uh, feel and uh, react to whatever choices you make. In those lives of the saints, we see this great swath, again, of people who came from all different aspects of life Mm. who were sinners. But from that encounter grew so much in holiness that they they too became sanctus, they became Mm. holy. Mm. And that... and. Yet they they lived in their world. They were born into families. They experienced the culture of their times, the dangers, the fears, the all the things that we do. We're all at different levels. Right. So is our society today. So are we today? Exactly. And that this this diversity that, that exists within the church is important to 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 realize because uh, we have a diversity in life. Not everybody is called to live out the social doctrine in the same way. What, what, the, what the, the compendium says very clearly is that we are social beings. The church is an expert in humanity, and so the church knows that we're social beings, and not just social beings in the sense that we, we enjoy each other's company, but that we require each other's company to reach our fullest development. Nobody is born alone. We're, I think, as far as I know, the only mammal that requires community to reach our, our fulfillment to read and, and to enjoy the, the, the benefits of, of human history. So that diversity that exists there is there for a reason, and we're called to sanctify all of it. So whether it's uh, the nun who's in the cloister and praying quietly in her corner and doing amazing work there by transforming the world spiritually from within, to the, the holy businessman, the prayerful politician, the prayerful mom at home, uh, the dad who works the factory job but still finds time every day to pray the rosary with his kids. Uh, all those aspects we're, we're called to try to embed ourselves into. And certainly there are aspects of our culture where we, we shouldn't go in the sense that um, they would be uh, parts that are, are inimical to uh, what we believe as Christians. So participating in, in businesses that uh, exploit other people, we shouldn't be involved in that. But we were called to go out into the entire world uh, and preach the gospel and do so in that spirit of love that Christ gave us so that everybody can look at us and say, there goes a Christian. Uh, and, and we know they're a Christian because of the way they love. And those who are regular participants of the conversations that we've had will hear us say this over and over again. Mm. But it needs to be said. It's the reason why the church says it over and over again. It begins first with the relationship that we have with yes. Christ, and then the next step is the relationship we have within that that first that small little society we call the family. Yes. So important that it, that evangelization begins there. That relationship, the good news, that it is lived out in that arena first. And and it makes only it makes sense that way because as the church is the expert of humanity, we gain the fullness of our humanity in the context of the family. We learn what it is to love first in the family. We we learn what it is to interact with others, uh, what is required of life in the family. And so it makes only that much more sense therefore that the social teaching, this teaching of the church that's designed to help us live socially and in a Christian manner, that that gets taught first in the Christian family, which 
as uh, for instance, Blessed Pope John Paul II said in, in Familiaris Consortio, that, that Christian family has a peculiar call. It has a natural call that all families do, right? That's part of our human nature. But as Christian, as Catholic families, they're called to something even more, to point to the transcendent, to point to how the family images God's love for his church, God's love for humanity. And so we learn it first there, so that then we can take that in, into the rest of the world. And it's important to to point that out, what you just said about the family, because sometimes we can get caught up in our ways, and it happens to me too, uh, with emphasizing first how I need to change the rest of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how I need to change systems, I need to change the government, I need to change um, international uh, laws, I need to change all these things outside of me, when perhaps the first thing we should be doing, as Jesus says in the, in the scriptures, you know, take the plank out of your own eye first, look within Find out how am I dealing with those closest to me, to my family. I belong to them, certainly. How are my relationships there first? And then move on to the rest of society. We'll return to Regnum Novum with Omar Gutierrez in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A teaching of St. Paul from his second letter to the Corinthians. We are not discouraged. Rather, although our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to what is seen, but to what is unseen. For what is seen is transitory, but what is unseen is eternal. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Regnum Novum with Omar Gutierrez. Omar, talk to us about the family and then as it extends out into the society. What supports that and how does it witness? 
Yeah, well, that the, the point I think is first of all that the the family is not this insular sort of cell that stays by itself. Uh, the family exists so that even just on the basis of marriage, so that the father can, you know, the husband can leave his family and cling to his wife. So uh, there's a sense of that the family exists so that I can serve the rest of society. Mm-hmm. So the family exists certainly as the fundamental cell as the important cell, and it cannot be superseded by the state, for instance, by the government, but the family exists in part to help form the person so the person can serve the rest of society. And this is what part of the social teaching means. And because that's part of the very nature of what family is, therefore the church is required in a very real way to make sure provide some guidance in this way to help show the family how it can witness uh, for the rest of society. The Compendium puts it, I think, very, very nicely in, in regarding this section on evangelization about the role of the family, I'm sorry, the role of the social doctrine, that it's it's the concrete, personal, and the social life of man that it's involved in the social doctrine, and that and it goes on to say this is not something that's tacked on to the work of the church, but it is, quote, at the very heart of the church's ministry of service, unquote. That this social teaching, because... Being social is so fundamentally part of who we are as human persons, both in the family and outside of the family. The church is therefore required, and by virtue of the service it's trying to provide humanity, the service given to it by Christ himself, the church is required to provide us some guidance, this social teaching, to help us understand first how the family should be structured, right? in devotion to Christ. And we have the some of that structure in Revelation, right? Uh, Ephesians 5 and, and all the rest of it. So how is the family supposed to be structured? Then how does the family serve the rest of society? And that's part of what the social teaching is, is, is about. But what does uh, honest labor look like? What are the responsibilities of the employer? What are the responsibilities of the Christian citizen? How is the state supposed to respect the family? And on and on. You will see in the compendium and, and when we get to those parts, but certainly in the encyclicals, the popes go on and on and on. And every single one, as far as I know, uh, saying that the family is sacrosanct. The family is where it all begins. Uh, but it's there. It's, it's sacrosanct nature is there so that it can serve the rest of society. And it's for that purpose which the, the church is trying to help the family be what the family is, which reminds us of John Paul II's famous phrase, uh, families be what you are. You are this reality that's at the service of humanity and at the church. So be that and serve. Mm. It also <laughs> states in Chapter 2, the church's mission and social doctrine, that the church has the right and the duty to proclaim the truth through the social doctrine. I go back and emphasize that the church has the right and the duty. Now, this is written as a worldwide document. Yes, that's right. That it's not just about the United States. No. But it, it, in wherever it finds itself, mm-hmm. this body of Christ, it has a right to be able to express itself. Yes. Um, the, the church is, I think, very good about making sure we connect rights with duties. And so we'll start with rights first, even though relatively that's sort of modern language. And the fact actually we're using it is, I think, a tip to the fact that we're, we're trying to reach out to the modern world. But yes, the church has a right. Sometimes when we talk about social doctrine, and, and this criticism comes from the political right as well as the ecclesial right and the ecclesial and political left, and everybody says this, that the church really should keep its nose out of politics and out of economics. Look, the church doesn't know anything about economics. I'm not going to learn anything about you know 2 plus 2 uh, from the church. Uh, I don't need religion to know the truth of that. So what did the church have to tell me about economics or about politics? 
Unfortunately, we see that argument from a number of various uh, corners. And the response to the church is that, well, you're right. This is not, the church's social teaching is not about proposing systems. Right? The church is not, through the social doctrine, going to be talking about uh, whether or not the re- representative republic democratic system is the best form of government. She, she, we're not doing that. Nor are we going to argue for or against Keynesian economics or Austrian economics or any of that sort of business. Again, the church's teaching in the social doctrine is based on its understanding of the nature of the human person. And by virtue of that, therefore, we know there are certain activities, certain actions that are either fundamentally opposed or uh, are absolutely necessary for the fulfillment of the, the dignity of the human person. And it's in that context, therefore, that the church says she has the right, because she is the expert, and because her, her um, uh, call from, from, from Christ uh, is to save mankind, to bring all people to Christ, she has the right, then, to show us how we can bring ourselves closer to Christ, by avoiding evil, but my, more importantly, by doing good. And the church has a duty, then, when she sees evil happening, when she sees systems that violate the dignity of the human person, she has the duty to speak out and to condemn those systems and to do all she can you know, within the context of the church to bring those evil systems down, as John Paul II did with the Soviet Union. It's always amazing to me that whatever the political faction happens to be in a society or culture anywhere around the world, mm. even in the, in the United States, if the church begins to step on their toes in one way or another, all of a sudden the church has no right. Right. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> it's it's okay to have the church with you when it agrees with you, but then it should shut up. Yes. Yeah. Remain quiet if it doesn't support what you, in a political fashion, support. Exactly. And this has been the story. This is partly why we have this pastoral constitution, the Church of the Modern World. And partly why we had such a contentious relationship with the world back in the 19th century, because it's because the, the, the church was shut out by the state, by governments, by society. And the church was being told, shut up. We don't want your voice anymore in the public square. Where the church was allowed to exist, you had this sort of so-called freedom of worship. Sure, you can, you can be Catholics, but just do so behind closed doors. Uh-huh. You know, pull your Marian statues indoors. We don't, we don't want that. You stop imposing yourself. And unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of that in the United States today, and certainly in other parts of the world. But that's different from what the church's teaching is, and and from what um, from the rights of the human person are. One of the other great documents from Vatican II was the Declaration of Religious Liberty, which says that no, that that freedom of worship, that a uh, freedom to to worship privately, is not enough. We have the right as human persons to speak publicly about what we hold to be true, and the obligation, therefore, to tell the truth to our friends and neighbors, which is where this, this uh, call for evangelization comes from. So, so no, you can't tell us to shut up. Now, we have this obligation to go forward and to preach the truth because it's good for you. The church is not going to stand by uh, no more than any friend or parent would do as they watch their child engage in self-destructive behavior. The church is not going to stand by and, and, and bless that or stay silent. The church is in a loving way going to propose to you there is a better way, a way that may be difficult now, but in the long run will make you happier and will fulfill you and give you more more of yourself so that you can be the best person you can be. A dualistic personality. I live one way, or I, but then I live another way mm. in another corner. That fractioning of the human person, I can somehow go in this corner and express my faith and then I have to go over here and live a different way. There's no unity there. 
There's no wholeness there. No. There's no holiness yes, there. Exactly. And that's what the church has got to stand up and say, wait a second, do you see what you're doing? Not only to the, what you represent to the world, but what you're doing to yourself. Yeah. You're tearing a part of yourself. And, and, and causing scandal in a lot of places and, 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 and hurting the church body uh, by leading other people to sin. It's, it's, a, it's unfortunately, it's a typical thing that happens. We try to sort of bifurcate ourselves, compartmentalize, live the different lives. And certainly one of the things I always say when I, when I, I give a talk on the social teaching, especially to actually to, to, to young kids, to youth, youth groups, I start out with this point you're making. Because I think if there's one thing that our, our young people are very sensitive about, it's hypocrisy. They don't have a lot of time for hypocrisy, understandably so. And it is the very definition of hypocrisy to claim I believe one thing uh, on Sunday, let's say, and then behave in another way and justify that behavior. We all sin. All of us are sinners. And so I'm not suggesting that we're hypocrites just because we sin. But when you start to rationalize your sin as acceptable for you, that begins to be hypocrisy. And, and the young don't have a lot of tolerance for that. And the social doctrine then is trying to help us understand that we avoid the hypocrisy by, by allowing ourselves to live authentically with what we say we believe on Sundays. It goes back to, once again, who are we, mm-hmm. first and foremost? Yes. The type of scandal that you talk about, the great sadness that occurs when we... at see in a very public way Mm. a a particular politician who may be a leader kneel down and kiss the Holy Father's ring at a White House ceremony only to stand up and walk into the halls of the government and support legislation that is everything the church is against. The intrinsic evils that the church cries out. That action of kissing that ring and then turning around and doing something else it it should it makes some very angry, but yes. ultimately should make us horribly sad. Very very sad, and that's the the scripture about the woe to you who lead the little children. I mean, there's a sense of woe, a sadness. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's a warning, but it's a sad warning. It's not a condemnation as much as, although obviously there is a sense of condemnation, but but it's a sadness. Uh, we don't want our brothers and sisters to be engaged in this this. This behavior, not because we we want to prove ourselves right, but because we want them to be saved, and we want them to understand what it could be like to see our Lord at the end of, of of days and and hear those wonderful words, "Well done, good and faithful servant." And that's not going to happen whilst you're uh, engaging in activity that that undermines that fundamental dignity of the human person, and that fundamental dignity we're not going to fully understand unless we give ourselves over to Christ. This is kind of the, the repeating theme that we're going to be bringing up is, is in order to understand what that dignity really is, we have to know Christ. God became man, and so only this God-man, only this Christ Jesus can reveal to us who we really are, what is the depth of our dignity. And until we give him, ourselves over to him, we cannot possibly understand the depths of this, the social responsibility we have towards each other. At that same point where we're looking at that particular person, whether it be a politician or mm-hmm. anybody in leadership, yeah. first and foremost, look at ourselves. Yeah. Are we in some ways, not maybe on a national scale, maybe not on a grander scale, mm-hmm. but are we causing scandal to the children that are watching us, yes. to the those neighbors that are watching us? Yes. What are we doing? Are we? It, we can be just as unfortunately uh, shackled with a millstone around our necks yes. 
if we don't take that time to do those those beautiful encounters with an examination of conscience that with it and going to the the sacrament of reconciliation and truly opening our hearts up to healing in all those areas and receiving the Eucharist in a way that can make us authentic. Right. And that's why this, the social teaching is rooted in this notion that we have to live a sacramental life, that this is a Catholic social teaching that can apply, obviously, and be helpful for, for uh, those who are not in the church. And, and because some of it is based on, on reasoning, we can talk about that next time. But the, but the, the other notion is that um, we're, going just, we're going beyond reason. Uh, not, we're not being irrational. We're, going, we're transcending reason uh, to the point of faith where we understand um, that what we're called to is, is something much more than just offering happy advice to our fellows, but we're calling them into a, a relationship that they will, that will transform their very lives forever and bring them an ultimate happiness. Any particular reflection on this particular aspect of social doctrine? Well, I think um, uh, what you just mentioned, I think, is a, a good thing maybe to sort of end with, and that is uh, the Church is this expert in humanity, and it calls us into this deeper relationship with our brothers and sisters. And so uh, if you're not familiar with an examined prayer, an examination of conscience at the end of the day, perhaps this would be a good time to start engaging in that. Spend time at the end of every single day. It's an, it's an ancient practice, certainly something that Ignatius of Loyola was very uh, fond of and recommended, required of his priests, but spend time at the very end of every day and consider how you are treating your brothers and sisters in the family, right? Uh, how are you treating God in your day? How are you treating your brothers and sisters in the family? And how are you treating your coworkers, the thoughts, your statements, the opportunities to help that you didn't take? Uh, it doesn't need to be long. It could be 10 minutes. Uh, but spend time to, to ponder how you are living socially uh, and then try to connect that then in prayer and, and ask for the grace to be better. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Omar. You're welcome. You've been listening to Regnum Novum bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez.